0: All right, so we are, we are doing our second episode now. Uh, our first episode was Predator. Uh, we found, actually, in recent research, we missed something really important. I think that was what uh, we were talking about today, that uh, while filming the movie Predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger admitted to shitting his pants while on set. And I think, I think we should apologize to everybody for the fact and that I- we missed that.
1: <laughs> and
0: I don't think
1: he was the only one. <laughs> No,
0: I, I have a feeling Jesse Ventura shits his pants a lot. Actually,
1: like it just seems like something. <laughs> this is kind of on brand for, Andrew, for him. Let me just say, you are you are crushing the openings to this unnamed podcast. Yeah, well, TBD podcasts. We make sure we get the hard hitting news, like
0: people <laughs> shitting their pants. Uh, well, no. So we're back for the second episode, and really, I think it's important to point out. That oh God,
1: do I have oh. to talk about when I shit my pants? <laughs>
0: No, I just assume you're doing it right now. So if you're not shitting your pants, then, then why are we doing this? But uh, you know, we were debating what we were going to watch for the second second episode, and I think, um, given given this, we're we're now in July, and we really wanted to look back at a really important and monumental date in July that uh, that has a huge impact on the <laughs> history of the United States, and that was July third, nineteen eighty four, where the true events of louisville being overtaken by zombies and then subsequently bombed with a tactical nuke by the u.s government took place and uh, uh we're just here to commemorate the memory of of everybody who was involved in this true incident and uh yeah we can just talk more about the movie return of the living dead from
1: 1985 well to, to really properly talk about this you really have to go back to 1968 and you did may you? have seen a movie called Night of the Living Dead. And you can't trust what those filmmakers did. You know, they took a true event that really happened 100% according to Frank, who works at the You Need a Medical Supply Company. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and they just took those events, made a fictional account to cover up for the military, but We're here today to talk about what really happened. So after this 1968 event, they took some zombies, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, put them in their specially designed barrels and shipped them off, but there was a mistake. And I don't think you can blame the government or the army for this. It had to be a rogue shipping company that didn't get it quite right. And for some reason they delivered them to a random medical supply company in Louisville, Kentucky. Well, fast forward 16 years. And uh, this guy, Freddie, you know, a young up up and coming guy with some quality friends gets a new job first day on the job. uh, He, in the uh, old veteran Frank, they want to take a look around the factory or the warehouse or wherever the hell they work. <laughs> uh, so, Frank shows them there are these crazy barrels with zombies in them. <laughs> and as you do on your first day at work in any facility, any brand yeah, new you know, we've, all we've all been there. We've all been there day one zombie barrels. Well, I think I think uh, I think it's important. Occurs. Yeah, you take OSHA training, and then you you go look at the zombie barrels. <laughs> you, you start getting weird. Weird OSHA has no zombie barrel guidelines. Uh, not yet. I smell a conspiracy. I, I think under the current
0: administration, we'll get there, but not yet.
1: <laughs> uh, so, long story short, <laughs> um, accident occurs, gas leaks out. Zombies happen. They uh, try their best oh. to like defeat the zombie. They think they're being smart. They go take it to a crematorium, burn it. But unbeknownst to them, this gas is so potent. The burnt ashes in the atmosphere, when the rain comes, rains it down into the graveyard. And then all hell breaks. These zombies come back. Frank and Freddie are in big trouble. Freddie's friends are in big trouble uh a guy who was a former nazi who's hiding in louisville kentucky (laughs) he's in big trouble (laughs) clue gulliger's Uh, in trouble and then uh, then uh yeah well that's the nazi
0: (laughs) no 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 the nazi was the uh the guy from week in the Bernie's also uh, don kalfa
1: thankfully (laughs) thankfully um these zombies also have a sense of humor so a bit of hijinks ensue <laughs> during <laughs> this uh <laughs> yeah, this movie is... this massacre of innocent human beings in a cemetery yeah uh yeah
0: i would say this is like the crossover of the movie meatballs with uh, night of the living dead
1: <laughs> i don't know <laughs> if i would meatballs but i don't know if i i, I wouldn't take meatballs I, I can't find a flaw <laughs> see perfect So, uh, yeah, we're talking about Return of the Living Dead 1985, dark horror comedy. Very, like, I mean, I could fully see this not being many, many people's cup of tea, but it is very much my cup of tea because it is a delightful movie and just a blast and a fun time to watch. I love it. I, uh, I agree. I, I didn't catch it until I
0: was, uh, probably my 30s. Um, And I'm not sure. I think I just read about it, ended up watching it. And then I realized I'd seen bits and pieces as a kid on TV, maybe. But, yeah, I I think it's great. And, you know, it's interesting to me was and you already started kind of down this path with it. But, you know, it's so it's obviously it's about zombies, sort of the cornerstone of the zombie movie industry was was Night of the Living Dead from 1968 with George Romero. Well, this is a bit of a sequel and a, an offshoot of the original, even though it takes place 15 or 16 years later. Uh, and I guess it's with the writing partner that George Romero had for the original, uh, John Russo. And I'm not sure. I think you, you said it was a gentleman's agreement,
1: perhaps, to split the creative rights for it. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's what I that's what I read. But, you know, I, you got to take everything with a grain of salt you are written on the internet. Apparently, there's a book out i called john
0: russo he said that was fun uh,
1: yeah (laughs) but there there is a book a kind of a making up history book uh and you can't get it for kindle it's like 12 bucks or you can spring for the used paperback for 230 dollars jesus if if that's your cup of tea if you have to have the physical copy that's up there with the uh so so maybe go with that kindle version (laughs) (laughs) maybe yeah which have to not be very good so like but anyway um but no, uh, just a really, really fun movie and really interesting for me because I definitely didn't do much horror as a kid or teenager and particularly like probably missed a lot of horror comedy. So just it just feels like such a delightful movie that I can't believe it took me so long in life to have seen because um, I think. I mean, 2021, I
0: think, is the first is time I, I saw it and I watched it to again on, for this. On DVD. I think I sent it to you because oh, I liked it. Oh, or yeah. So uh,
1: so in case anyone would like to know more about um, myself and Andrew. So I had COVID at the start of 2021. <laughs> and Andrew sent me some movies to watch while I, I was sick. And All he sent me the Blu-ray of Return of Living Dead, Blu-ray of Halloween 3, um, this awesome like four-pack. Oh, like horror movies. And so um, to repay the favor when Andrew had COVID, I sent him a bunch of shitty Steven Seagal movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I've already watched, I think, two of
0: them. So it's uh, it's not a <laughs> shitty gift if I actually enjoy it. So that's all that matters. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the, the history of this um, movie is a little strange. Um, well, not strange, but it's just interesting. Uh, you know, you, So obviously you have 1968 and the Living Dead. Uh, Romero and Russo end up splitting... And I, like I said, I don't know if it was amicable or you, not. Uh, have but, you
1: seen Nine o- of the Living Dead?
0: Uh, it has been a long time. I, I don't remember much about okay. it, uh, other than it's sort of it's sort of like the antithesis of this. It's black and white. It's slow moving. <laughs> um, but it, I think it had more to do with. Uh, I was trying to make statements about uh, segregation at the time. I think, I believe. Uh, and so, I think it was a lot more it, thought-provoking, perhaps, than this.
1: <laughs> it does. It does have an aspect to that for sure. De- I mean, definitely a theme in it. So, which I would, mean, it probably, probably 1968. More if 1968. You watch it and don't get that from it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal movie. Um, and, and honestly, and Romero is maybe underrated as a filmmaker. I don't. I don't know. I mean, well, in a- the mainstream, definitely underrated. In Film crowds probably properly rated, but um. <laughs>
0: well that's a good point, right? So speaking of like us like swapping DVDs and stuff during COVID, I think one of the other movies we had watched, and I think we watched it this year, was the sequel, the Romero based sequel in 1978 called uh, Dawn of the Dead. So that came out in 1978. Oh there was God. a remake of it in nineteen or two thousand five. But it's the premise is you know, it's zombies in a mall. And so the I mean, I I liked dawn of the dead i thought it was really good it has a weirdly uplifting ending which i guess they rewrote um but but largely focuses on probably i think three or four people who get locked inside of a mall and uh as the zombie apocalypse plays out and they use the mall and all all the restaurants and all the shops to basically subsist for the better part of a year and uh ends it basically ends when a bunch of bikers uh one of which is tom savini of all people um, break into the mall and basically all <laughs> the zombies in. And so it it's good. But, you know, one of the things I really took away from Return of the Living Dead is, you know, fast forward seven years from from Dawn, uh, Dawn of the Dead. And you have this where it's not bleak. What well, is bleak? It's dark, but it's, you know, it's not it's not like this heavy handed depressing <laughs> story. Yeah, it's fun. And I think yeah. to the movie's credit, that's where it probably is really strong. Is it, is it's it, going to no, Nazi. It's fun. <laughs> hey, Nazis. Hey, no, those aren't fun. Those are <laughs> shit. Um, but no, it, it does. It, I think it knows what it is. And for whatever reason, uh, in the same oh, year, I, Romero yeah, did it, it, Day of the Dead. And so 1985, you have two zombie movies. You've got, you've got Return of the Living Dead, which is the Russo movie, which we're talking about. And you had Day of the Dead, which was another Romero movie. That, it's a follow up to Dawn of the Dead. Uh, and so, I mean, interestingly, when you when you when you look at the two of them, generally they have a lot of the same backstory, uh, and and they're focused on the original movies, and you know they're sort of a continuation or a sequel of sorts. They're focused on the idea of these, these zombie outbreaks. But what I think to me is really interesting is Return of the Living Dead had a lot bigger cultural impact, perhaps even though it was the smaller movie in terms of box office gross, and not technically a Romero movie, it still had a much bigger impact on on kind of how we interpret zombies today
1: how we interpret these fictional things called zombies today well it's interesting and romero has been like one of the first people to like to credit it with this it's the first zombie movie where they want brains exactly so that's like they're going around brains brains and like and that's our kind of modern conception of zombies is them and it, they're also the first time they haven't. They're not mindless. They have an intellect. They have a a purpose, but not a blind purpose. Like it's like there's a lot of humorous sequences where they are outsmarting oh, characters in the movie.
0: I love my favorite. One of my favorite parts is when. <laughs> We're jumping way ahead, but obviously the paramedics, Uh, are, there's some paramedics at one point. Yeah, yeah. They get massacred by a bunch of zombies. And then one of the zombies, here's the radio, the dispatch radio going off in an ambulance, reaches inside <laughs> and says, send more paramedics.
1: And then that's pretty much the jump off yeah. point for like thousands of yeah, zombies to, to launch my, on these guys. Yeah, that's in my notes as a delightful moment. I love so it. I, so I'm glad you ended the history a bit. Of these zombie movies, because um, the Romero ones in that um, Dawn of the Dead uh, um, and obviously, is all relative to what we did, but is probably my favorite movie that we did that we've we've picked together to watch the and- yeah. notes back and forth. Um, that just blew me away of how amazing it was. I think
0: mine so, came with a Chinese, Chinese subtitles menu or something like that. So mine was definitely a Yeah, light, well, this was
1: so enjoyed. weird. The Romero ones have so many rights issues that they're really hard to track down and find. Which, is to your point, is maybe why this has more of a cultural impact now. Because it's just because just it's available. Unlike uh, yeah, good point. so many I, other Romero ones.
0: Yeah, well, this was on Shudder. So I, I watched this on Shudder. I think it's the second or third time it's popped up since I've had Shudder <laughs> and it's also been on Amazon prime. So okay. It's pretty, it's so, pretty accessible.
1: <laughs> I'm really curious to, to ask you this because oh, I bet you are. Uh, there's what, there's what we saw together and I'm curious if you remember, um, but what, so what is your history with zombie movies? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I, I'm trying to th- I feel like the only
0: movie I really remember seeing in theaters that was a zombie movie was going to see 28 Days Later. I think it was the summer of yes. 2003. <laughs> That's what I was talking about. <laughs> but to your point, like, I feel like you could argue that there's a lot of stuff that, that uh, Danny Boyle picked up probably from from tropes that are from this movie uh, that really helps set, to me, set this one apart. Obviously, there's the humor. And I think even though this movie is totally just all over the map, it for some reason works the way they play it off. Um, I think that a lot of that goes to probably Dan O'Bannon's credit, the uh, the director. And I think uh, at least partially wrote, wrote uh, the, the movie, but yeah, I, I think Twenty Eight days later was a big one. And then I, I don't, I don't have like a huge bench of, of zombie movies in terms of the, the overall uh, history of, of horror stuff I've watched. I think it's, Obviously, Night of the Living Dead was something that was out there, but I just don't feel like I saw it until later. So, how about you? I mean, what was what was your experience?
1: Honestly, it probably a lot of my concept of tropes of the genre. I think it probably starts with, oh God, I can't believe I'm gonna not know which one this is from, but Simpsons. Um, Oh no! It's like one of the first uh, two or three uh, f- little little second. Treehouse I of think it's the second one. That yeah, um, I think it's the second one. But they do a zombie one, which is very similar to this.
0: Well, and it's it's the Omega Man too. I think I think it's like a combo of the movie the which is I I would love to watch that movie for this the the Omega Man the Charlton yes, Heston that, movie, uh, I'm, I'm but game. it's also mixing in zombies. I, I, I think literally, the zombie
1: aspect of it. I literally bought that movie today. You did. This is why yeah, we're friends. So, this is why we're friends. Because I, <laughs> I love, that. I love that yeah. movie. No, so okay. So last night, I, I was online, and I saw this thing. This um, Twitter account I follow that posts deals on like Blu-rays and DVDs, and they posted a thing like, "Hey, my local Target. It looks like they're phasing out physical media. They're having a massive clearance." So this morning I got up early and got to target <laughs> when it opened and my target here was not doing that. <laughs> so I was super disappointed. <laughs> so <laughs> on my way home, I, I need to stop at Walmart and that's where just cause it's cheap. I do a lot of grocery shopping um, and I would love oh, we- to not support Walmart, but that is, that is not where my life is. So, <laughs> but so I went through the DVD section and they had um, for nine 99 it was like seventies sci-fi, and it was like Logan's Run, Omega Man, Soylent Green, and and one other movie, but similar to those. Um, and I was like, you know what? I get effed over by Target. I'm buying this. <laughs> no, you should. That, that's a that's a great. I, I That's a great pack to buy. I haven't seen Soylent yeah, Green, yeah. but
0: that actually is like a good. Maybe that's a good. I haven't
1: seen it in years, so I'm actually pretty pretty curious to see it. Maybe, um, maybe but yeah. That's... So do, so yeah. Go ahead. Uh, so <laughs> zombie movies Um, definitely 28 days later was a big one and seeing with you in the theater um, after the symptoms of course <laughs> uh, then I remember I don't I can't remember if you were there or not or if you remember I remember and it's definitely one of my favorite movies now but for the first time watching Shaun of the Dead at a movie marathon and I think I was there um, yeah I think I was there you will yeah, yeah, you William and Jay. And um, I was super drunk and so I was just like being an ass. And so like the whole like first like 20 minutes, I was just like, What are the zombies coming? What are the zombies coming? What are the zombies coming? And they like, people were, like, shut the hell up, this movie's really good and funny. And so subsequently, I've seen it many, many times, and it is amazing and fantastic. Um, yeah, then, I, I, I think Night I was of the Living Dead have seen several times and is Really, just is really fantastic. um I, you know what? I, would I need think... to watch it again now to properly speak of it. But it's like the race stuff—it's like, it's like the best Twilight Zone episode. It's what it is. Like,
0: I saw—I definitely saw the. I think it was the 1990 Tom Savini directed uh, remake of Night of the Living Dead, and that was really good. And it had Tony Todd in it as the the guy who plays Candyman. Um, just tying it back to horror and uh, um, I remember liking that a lot and, and, and even for 1990 it managed to pick up a lot of the same theme so so yeah um, I uh, but yeah I, with, with this one so you you we both saw it kind of later but I feel like for whatever reason it just really clicked with me um, despite it being it's, I think we've talked about this the two of us separately but obviously but I think what, what I've found is is typically, especially with horror movies and the horror genre, it's like I either want to see something that's like legitimately scary or I want to see somebody who's just swinging for the fences for some crazy shit that's just way out in yes. left field. And I'm like, yeah. and this, one, this <laughs> one swings for the fences on that left field
1: and it's a lot of fun to just like. And when, and when you swing for the fences and like 80% of the time you hit a home run, like that's that's what i'm looking for and like i don't mind the 20 percent where it didn't quite work out yes and yeah it's just yeah well it's (laughs) good the movie opens and one thing i want to talk about in this movie is the acting at some point and i don't know if now's the time or if we need to get further in but I don't know if the acting is not good, if it's exactly how it should be for the movie (laughs) or if it actually is pretty good. Uh, But you start out with this like veteran guy showing around this young guy who just started a new job. And from my experience working in like warehouse manufacturing environments, it's exactly how it is. This old guy has all this like material that he's telling the new guy because he's done this so many times and he fucking loves telling his little jokes or doing his little pranks on the new guy. And that is so accurate to that environment. But it's also one of my favorite movie cliches that you need to get out all this exposition of what the world is. And so the easiest way to do it is, oh, this guy just started a new job. So he's going to get all this information just dumped on him as a surrogate for the audience.
0: Well that, that's a good and point, aid. right? Well James Karen. So James Karen's the one who's giving exposition. He plays Frank. James Karen for people who don't I mean I I don't know a lot of his a lot of his body work, but I do know like fast forward a year or two, he's in Wall Street as I think he's one of the senior brokers that uh yeah, f- for, mean, for Buddy great who, career. He's kind of given that same he's given that same speech of like uh, he's giving exposition as as Buddy starts to become a stockbroker, or he's going through training but uh, yeah, I personally think the acting is exactly <laughs> where it needs. I think the, the acting is exactly where the, it needs to be for the tone of this movie. Um, it's it's a lot of it's really big, a lot of it's over the top. I mean, if you want to, we could probably spend ten minutes alone just talking about Tom Matthews and James Karen's hurt acting in this. When like, <laughs> you know, so you you touched on it, but obviously at some point this, the the toxin that they inhale from this this zombie container. Uh, begins to slowly turn them or slowly kill them, and they begin to get rigor mortis and die. And they probably spend like forty-five minutes of this movie just wailing in pain or screaming. Yeah, and it's and it's but <laughs> well, they do a good job. <laughs> it is. I like it. I like it. I think James Karen just fucking going for it on pretty much every take. I was like, I loved it. It's like it. It's
1: it's it's like a telenovela. I mean. Like I'll, I'll Spoiler: His death scene, like, were like, impacted me. It's great. <laughs> just, it's oh, sad, man. but you're also just yeah. like,
0: I mean, it's such a weird touch. But like, to your point, like, so anyway, we're we're starting on this with with on the first day, and so you've got you've got this guy, uh, Freddy, who on his first day of work <laughs> I, is wearing a jacket that just
1: says would, "fuck you" across the back of it, which is probably my favorite character touch. So fun. so, so fun thing about that. They realized while filming, they would never be able to show it on television if he was wearing that jacket. So they reshot the jacket scenes. And instead of fuck you, it says television version, which (laughs) I think is just is so (laughs) delightful. So wonderful. Like, yeah, I I just and but it also tells you a lot about Dan O'Bannon and why maybe he didn't have the career his talent warranted that that's a choice he would make of just like an F U about like oh like you're gonna censor my movie for tv so and this is one that's like really funny and works well but had the personality to kind of have an FQ attitude about stuff no that's fair that's a good that's a good point to, to touch on with this so
0: this is this was at least partially written. It was a team of writers. I think it was four writers: um, Russo, who we've talked about, and then Dan O'Bannon, who Dan O'Bannon is actually really important in the scheme of the the horror genre. Uh, he was he was, I believe, I'm not sure if he's the sole creditor, but he was the he was one of the key writers for the movie Alien. So it's sort of a landmark movie in terms of sci-fi and horror. He partially wrote and directed this, and he's also done um, other. He's done. Uh, scripts for other movies like uh blue thunder which is that's a fucking treat we should definitely talk about that at some point <laughs> uh total recall yeah, i yeah.
1: i and, wouldn't and mind doing that
0: movie <laughs> i i think the only reason the only problem i have with it is like uh and it's just sorry this is a weird tangent but um i can't take daniel stern seriously in any other movie because of home alone so i'm just like oh it's like marv <laughs> from from the wet bandits <laughs> is trying to fly a helicopter now Yeah, i can't I can't I can't <laughs> normalize that so but yeah I think Dan O'Bannon probably had a, um, a a lot to do with why this movie has the tone it does and also uh, why why it's more memorable uh, than probably the 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 George Romero made kind of counterpart to this that's from the same year um, I think he brought he brought a lot of unique stuff to it and I think uh, you know to your point like maybe some things that also are why his career didn't take off um, and things that that are are probably why this movie stands out as being unique, you know? And so we, we, we touched on it a little bit, but obviously, you know, start jumping ahead. Uh, Freddie and Frank end up knocking over. And that's actually one of my favorite jokes is, is Frank just goes over and yeah. slaps the side of this, this zombie container gas leaks out. They pass out when you fast forward and they're kind of, the main characters, but you, well, have to, have you
1: skipped you skipped over the joke. Which part? The oh, maybe he the walks out. He army corps of engineers. It's, he walks up. Nothing to worry about. Freddy made by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and slaps it, and immediately the gas explodes out. That sets off the events of the movie. Oh, well, So obviously tells you some political leanings of the makers of the movie. Oh, and the ending ending just fucking punctuates that yeah. with uh,
0: without any, yeah. any issues whatsoever. But I think um, what I really liked about this was you have a good you have a good fun setup. I don't know why they made such a conscious effort to document the time zones, and like it's on July. It takes place on Eastern Standard Time, July third at five thirty p.m. nineteen eighty four. And I don't know why that's important, but they set them. They set up that you know Freddie and Frank in this warehouse. Anyway,
1: go ahead. Go ahead. No, as I say, that's one of those things, and there's a few in there that I mean, is that supposed to be a joke that they're making that time so important and it's kind of not, but I guess sort of is, but like really is not like you could just not have that and it wouldn't change anything about the movie, but there's like some other things with that of i and I can't pull one right now, but of is that poking fun at movies that like make the timeline so important when it's like you're making a zombie movie like like you you need a detailed timeline for that that's what I, I couldn't
0: tell if they were trying to do that just to play into the to the sort of punchline at the beginning where it says this is a true story based on real people and true events or whatever so uh, part of me part of me yeah, thinks and that, that mean, that's just yeah. him trying to kind of put a put a fine point on it but uh well, yeah, so we, we, we kind of open with and I really like the the, the title sequence and the opening with um, uh, after Freddie and, and Frank pass out. Uh, you, you start they have these really great cutaway shots of like the the gas leaking out and, and it's infecting everything in this warehouse. The, the important thing to point out is it's a medical supply warehouse where they, for some reason, uh, have a frozen corpse in the, in the <laughs> freezer. And then they also have uh, split dogs or dissected dogs and then uh, butterflies but you know you, fa- you kind of fast forward through that it's probably the first 10 or 15 minutes of the movie and you jump to i think one of the high points of the movie which is the i, I don't
1: know what to call them but it's the friend group of freddie i call them the punk group um, which oh you mean the punk pop 80s stereotype group that has one of everybody
0: yeah it's like it's like it's like 90 19- like a, if i had to put 1980s new wave into like a uh uh human embodiment it would be these people like like
1: every genre playing music videos on mtv like a person from each genre (laughs) like i that's one that always throws me Is like this i get this is supposed to be kind of a joke because i this is an insane group of people to be together but it kind of makes sense because they all kind of seem like outsiders because they're so have so bought into like being a stereotype. And
0: I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think actually it's one of the areas that really worked for me um, was, and we've, you know, I have talked about this a lot, but in slasher movies in the 1980s, a lot of the premise is based around the idea that you have these, this gang of friends or characters together that really have, like, if you put them in the real world, like these are people that would never hang out together. But in this one, I actually feel like to your point, like, yeah, I can see all of these people actually being friends, actually hanging out, and actually getting into something like this—not like this, but like something together—and it, it doesn't—it doesn't feel forced in the sense of trying to just, hey, I gotta, I gotta insert kills, or I've gotta insert something funny, so I'm putting this group together to sort of have a body count. It does feel like they all kind of have a purpose. And uh, one of the things I really want to talk about <laughs> is I took down uh, the name, oh. the name—well, just the names of all the people, like. The, yeah, <laughs> the dichotomy between the names just cracks me up. It's like, all right, so you have Freddy, who's sort of the 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 crux of why that group's motivated to do what they're doing. <laughs> they're going to pick him up more. You have his girlfriend Tina, and then you have Spider I well, I mean,
1: and so far, well, and so far, you know, started out very reasonable, getting a little bit into the nickname world, and now that's that's go from here. <laughs> Oh yeah, so here, here, yeah, so we have
0: Spider, Scuzz, Trash, Suicide, <laughs> Casey, and I think there's one like normal name, other normal name person that I forgot. But like to your point, like one guy looks like he's he's like hardcore metal guy. One guy looks like he's fucking new wave. Uh, both the girls kind of look interchangeable. They both sort of have like bright colors and just look like they're they're sort of normal normal people. You've got Spider, who looks like he's supposed to be like. uh, I don't know. Do you you know who Spider is? Miguel uh, Miguel Nunez.
1: Right, but you know what other movie he's in? Yes, I think it's the same year.
0: It is the same year. He so which all right. So this is the tie-in for him. Then I think he's like a Prince Prince fan base proxy because in Friday the Thirteenth Part (laughs) Five, he plays. uh, Oh God, he has a crazy. Like fake name in that. Like, all right, I got I got to look that up. But um, he he's in that too, and he's the guy who actually ends up getting he gets killed in the outhouse because he's taking a shit because of enchiladas, and that's that's really all. <laughs> Which I feel bad. I actually like him as an actor. I think he's fun. It's just uh, his
1: name. His name is Demon in Demon. Friday the Thirteenth: A New Beginning.
0: <laughs> okay, so he uh, he's Spider in this same year. He's also Demon. Uh, in this, he makes it a lot further. Uh, he actually doesn't get killed taking a shit like he does in <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. Uh, but yeah, I just—I just, I, and, and, it, just I really because, because
1: I wanted to be a theme of our podcast. Taking shit. He is also in Action Jackson as Pool Room Thug Number One.
0: He's also got a really small part. So we, in, we do uh,
1: have we do have a Carl Weathers connection.
0: <laughs> He's also got a small part in Lethal Weapon Three. And oh man I totally forgot about this. I think he plays does he play
1: DJ in he plays DJ in Street Fighter. <laughs> so uh, I I think he also played DJ in Full House if I remember right.
0: Uh, he did. I believe he did. So Okay.
1: Yeah, I th- I thought so. I thought Oh so.
0: man, he was in Pluto <laughs> Nash. I Like him as an actor, like, I, I think he's fun in this. I think he's fun in Friday the 13th, part five. It's just, uh, in this, he has a lot more. more oh, no, he is
1: awesome. And I, I saw something that he was homeless when he filmed this. That's but, what you know, I that's was like internet, living out of his car, yeah, yeah. So, like, but yeah, I mean, that,
0: but he's kind I, of the I'm, only gang member that really Or not gang member, but like the only kind of person in that friend group or punk group that actually really has any, any real kind of uh agency in this well, you, you see why
1: he's had like a hollywood career like he felt he feels like a character just because of what he's bringing yeah to this I, screen.
0: so I, you know so they, they they spend a few minutes setting them up uh obviously of course when you're waiting to pick up your friend and you don't want to waste a lot of time driving around <laughs> or spend gas money what do you do you're gonna go hang out in a cemetery so their whole group and what el- what else do you
1: do in that cemetery yeah what else you do? you in get that cemetery? naked you take all of your clothes off <laughs>
0: And you do a, a pseudo music video striptease, and I, I think this is probably a good. <laughs> you could probably talk an entire episode of just this entire section. I I, I love it just because I think yeah, it's hilarious. There's some
1: crazy internet trivia on this stuff, and I, I yeah, <laughs> and it's also a topic where I I'm a little nervous to go down too far because <laughs> it feels you're hitting a sensitive area on exploitation
0: oh no 100 percent. This you would never see this today never never and, and, and it does feel like somebody kind of got okay
1: like... so what good so what we're talking about and and the first problem with this is the character is named trash <laughs> that's what they've that's what they've named this character who seems to be addicted to getting naked and whether that is sexual I don't know, because her friend group seems to not care. And so it's a, a little unusual. But within the production of it, there's like a bunch of batshit crazy stories around it. That So Dan O'Bannon frequented a gentleman's club and offered this role to the person who would eventually... Become is it she
0: plays Casey?
1: Casey? She plays Casey, so yes, she she plays Casey, and she didn't want to do it anymore because she was tired of doing things where she took her clothes off, and so he gave her this other role, and so we found someone else to pull the trash. Now, we'll talk more about Dan O'Bannon, but that's an interesting start to him that he is frequenting gentlemen clubs and offering roles in movies, but while filming this. A producer of the movie came, and in the original take, uh, the actress playing Tresh, who has an amazing career in horror movies, Um it, 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 Quigley, Naya
0: Quigley, Quigley, yeah, yeah,
1: that, and she has got and I mean, awesome for her. She's had an incredible career in horror movies as kind of like a horror queen, but she had, <laughs> she had a bush. And this producer was like, no, we can't we can't show Bush like we can't do that. She has to shave. And even like even she and like other people in production were like, that's kind of messed up. Like, like, oh, but like, she was like, OK, I'll do it. So she shaved and went back, refilmed the scene. And the same producer was like, oh, my God, that's even worse. And so a whole bunch of people were like, yeah, that's kind of what we were thinking, too. That's going to be even worse. If you do that. So then they made her like a prosthetic to put over her, and it's just like at this point, it's why are we doing this? Why, why don't you just have her wear underwear? That's why <laughs> I felt, take the I top felt off bad
0: for her was apparently like and, everything I read was she was super embarrassed and and very. very it sounded like a very I, awful thing yeah somebody through on, on, on a set. And,
1: well, and honestly, the the scene where she does take the clothes off and does the dance, i I mean, I don't think you'd have to ask her about this, and I'm sure she has spoken to it. Um, and to me, I was like, okay, like you do that. your feelings are your feelings about it. To me, the worst part was all of the scenes where they're just like in this zombie rain or in the car like where she's just naked and I was like so you're on set and you're doing these like this isn't just being naked for like these like shots like she's oh, in no. the back seat of the car stuck between two people you're doing take after take like yeah I mean maybe on the floor she had a jacket put on or something, but like you're just naked for all of that and I was like I don't, it's uh, like,
0: well, and spoiler alert, she's. I guess in my notes, I have
1: like, for, for is this... movie. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but <laughs> at least, like, well, I guess that the motivation is because of all what we're talking about. But in my notes, I had is this like the most unmotivated nudity ever? <laughs> like, there was zero reason for her to be naked for all of that because when she gets killed and turned into a zombie. You could just have the zombies rip her clothes off. And yeah, now good, she's the naked zombie. Of it. But, and the, I mean, that's just nudity. And so, I don't know. I can't speak to what her opinion was on this, what she wanted to do. But it's just, it's just a choice. I don't know. It always baffles me when I've seen this, of her ripping her clothes off and doing the naked dance in the graveyard. What is happening?
0: It, that just feels like, like 1980s, it, it felt like there was a, a note where somebody's like, yeah, we need we need we newity here to just keep people hooked in. And I think kind of to your point of like what's happening at the movie at this point is is the, the setup is you know all right, so the zombie has is the the gas has been leaked out. the first zombie is sort of released through this this dead body that was in the uh, the freezer. Frank and Freddie are freaking out. They're both certain to to succumb to the, the effects of the gas. They end up calling, I think his name is Bert, who's the guy who owns yeah, You Bert. Need a Medical. And they Bert comes down to the office. He's <laughs> he's he's not one to do this because he just he's getting ready to celebrate a real nice Fourth of July weekend. Uh long story short, <laughs> finds out that that uh Frank and Freddie fucked up and that there's this dead body that's that's trying to escape from the freezer. So they, what do they do? Well, they say, okay, well, in the movie, they, they, they <laughs> kill the zombie through by putting something through its brain. So what do they do? Let the zombie out. And sure enough, uh, Bert puts a pickaxe through the back of the head of the zombie and it doesn't kill it, which I thought was interesting that, you know, this is kind of the first time where also, you know, trying to kill a zombie by shooting it in the head or hitting it in the head with something and the brain doesn't, doesn't stop it. Well, they take it over to the crematorium, which, of course, there's a crematorium right next door because there's a cemetery next door. And yeah. there is the guy who played the assassin in Bernie's uh, Weekend at Bernie's, uh, Don Kalfa playing Ernie, <laughs> who is a um, just.
1: I don't know what is, just a, a character. No. Everyone's familiar with. Yeah. What is it? What is, what is the what assassin is his... from weekend of Bernie's? Yeah.
0: assassin from We of Bernie's. That's all that matters. Yeah. Um, but yeah. he's he, play, a... he
1: plays Ernie in this movie. And
0: what is Ernie's job? He runs a crematorium slash. is a,
1: a mortician. mortician he is embalming people. Like, yeah. And and Dan O'Bannon confirmed he is a Nazi in hiding. He was <laughs> so weird.
0: Which explains
1: I, I... so much about his character. <laughs> Well, and, and the, I so, had so many questions, and then once I saw that, I was like, "Oh, okay, it all checks out."
0: It still doesn't make any sense. Still, you're still not like, okay, why would there be a, a Nazi hiding in Louisville? Um, but yeah, I, I did. I did some reading. So the kind of the telltale signs that were there were he had a Walther <laughs> P38, which was a German uh, Nazi officer sidearm. He's listening to I think marching. He loves, music. To <laughs> loves, to, loves
1: to pull it out. Loves loves to pull down and, and brandish. Yeah, it's that's people. a Nazi.
0: Yeah, and then um, uh, I guess there's a picture of Ava Braun at some point in the background on the wall. So it's it's just it was, it's such a I didn't see that, but choice. I saw a
1: picture that looked like hitler playing solitaire with like a nazi officer looking over his shoulder like i couldn't quite tell what it was whoa well, was it, it microsoft it was like right behind him when or was it like old school <laughs> yeah, solitaire yeah. old school solitaire oh, okay, okay. Um, but it's like in the opening scene where you see him like embalming the body and like whatever um yeah i can't think of the name either for it but was like it's like a real choice that's obviously like supposed to influence what you think about the character
0: I missed it the first couple times I saw this until so I read read about it, and I went back, I'm like, oh okay, I, that makes sense, but uh
1: which I yeah, and he's like one of my favorite characters, um uh, because he gives such like a creepy performance, but he's not entirely unlikable until you learn he's a Nazi <laughs> and then <laughs> so I'm not sure how I feel about knowing that now because now like. Yeah, it's now pro- it's, just it's a problem. <laughs> it's definitely a problem. Yeah. Um. Well, so which also what's... makes me question Bert. Apparently, Bert has been friends with him for twenty five years. Yeah, I can't and... tell. I can't tell how I feel about Bert. I liked Bert, but then I'm also kind of like,
0: well, he's kind of an asshole. Like, like, did you see the sign about Bert? Yes the 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 reading chart in the background saying like Bert is yeah, a kinda, shitty boss yeah. or
1: something. <laughs> yeah yeah it was like a cheap bastard, it's, like it's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's behind Freddie,
0: I think, in some of the opening scenes from are sitting in the office. but yeah, I uh yeah, well, well, so it they,
1: is a fun little touch, yeah,
0: it is, and then so they they so they have this dead body um that's still moving around. They try and play it off, but but doesn't quite work. And so they end up long story short, convincing Ernie to let them use the <laughs> crematorium to basically burn this this body that they've cut up. That's a zombie that's still alive, as well as these these dogs and stuff. They burn it up, and all the smoke rises through a great little cutscene of of showing the, the smoke going out. It rains, and of course, I, this has to have been around the time like like acid rain was like a concept in the news because it's like the exact yeah, same premise. It
1: definitely, yeah, yeah,
0: and so that's that's the of- way
1: the group of like punk people react yeah. they're immediately like
0: acid rain yeah it's like it's burning my skin oh no so it, it starts raining <laughs> of course all this smoke is raining down on the cemetery uh, our punk group runs they go get in the car to try and get, get out of the rain of course trash is still naked because for whatever reason when it rains yeah you yeah. just immediately run away with where gratuitous with, with no
1: nudity. okay so I was gonna say about that I feel O'Bannon is having his cake and eating it too. <laughs> I feel he's, it's like, it's like the, in the aughts on TV shows like 30 Rock or It's Always Sunny, where they do like blackface. They're like having their cake and eating it too. And like they're claiming to make a commentary on, like, so in this case for the movie, oh, horror movies always have gratuitous nudity. So we're going to have a character always be naked. But you're also selling your movie on boobs. Yeah, I know. The movie. That's, that's and true. like, and it's like, well, the <laughs> commentary doesn't work when you're also exploiting this for profit, <laughs> like the same way these people were. Um, so I, I feel that is like a little bit a part of the explanation of her constant nudity.
0: Well, you know, it's funny. So I was going to touch on this later, but I think it's relevant here is is right so it's 1985 and and you look at the the, the horror genre and the, kind of the bigger movies i could i i've seen and it came from the same year where friday the 13th part five which had a lot of nudity in it it's obviously a high a high point of what they were focusing on um nightmare on it's Armageddon. also
1: really good
0: <laughs> it, it is a fantastic movie um. Yeah, uh, not. Not
1: the worst one. Well. Yeah, well I guess not the worst one in this series because there's the Jason goes to hell. But, goes to hell. But, um, it's 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 close.
0: But but I, I feel like that was that was kind of just par for the course for these types of movies uh, in 1985. So I don't think it was like I don't know. It wasn't viewed as like it, I probably was viewed as to some degree as like a necessity to keep people interested is what is what I kind of think was the approach with with doing that. Um. So I I don't think that, it's like if you're
1: gonna have a horror movie you gotta like it's just yeah yeah and the, you're not gonna get financing yeah if and, you don't
0: and around the same time you also had I think Life Force which was another Dan O'Bannon movie and that's got tons oh of that's money. the <laughs> next
1: ye- yeah that next that's year? the okay. next year and um it's Toby Hooper um Dan or O'Bannon. maybe it's maybe no, it's to- this I think, year I think Toby
0: Hooper directed it I think you're you're right I think no he did. he did he yeah he
1: did but it. So, in my research with Dan O'Bannon, um found some quotes about him saying stuff about Toby Hooper. Now, it's always tough you're taking this out of context. Maybe they had a great relationship and he's just like busting his balls on an interview or something. But said about like Life Force is like, oh, they had like Toby Hooper doing this, and that's like having Bozo the Clown direct it. Oh, uh, Andrew uh andrew's saying good night to his son to and everybody. he has some awesome spider-man pajamas you
0: going to bed no you're not going to bed good night carter you look fantastic uncle mike said you look great too can you say bye bye that <laughs> All right, i love you buddy good night hey
1: Hey, hey, <laughs> oh man, oh, Andrew just got karate chopped by his son. <laughs> I have to cut
0: all this. What, huh? Because it's hot in
1: here. <laughs> it's I this is you. delightful. Good night, yeah. So, Andrew is podcasting in his garage, but his yeah. son was nice enough to come out and say good night to him in his kick ass Spider Man pajamas and then karate chop him.
0: Uh, he was actually just wearing a Spider Man uh robe and he's wearing something else in terms of he wears the craziest concoction of stuff but all right i took us way <laughs> off course and i'll tell you what's a really really important... uh, so i oh go ahead okay. no you please
1: no 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 you just said yours is important so we should go with that
0: <laughs> we have not touched on one of the most important characters in this movie so far and that is i believe his name is general cooper who is a <laughs> general who's been looking for these lost canisters of zombies for the last 16 years <laughs> yeah <laughs> i want to know what the fuck this guy's role in the military is because this motherfucker lives in a house on the ocean with two guards it's a mansion and he seems like the most terrible so, piece of shit in this movie comes home
1: his so, wife has been
0: cooking for him <laughs> yeah. how was your day oh just crappy like always oh i made your favorite food lamb chops <laughs> Already had lamb chops for lunch and wife had it for like, lunch and i was like, what a dick when are you going to find these containers so you can stop worrying about this? I don't know, Ethel! It's just like, what an asshole. General Cooper's a dick.
1: and His his wife literally looks like she is just waiting for him to finish dinner, go to bed, so she can drink her two bottles of wine and pass out and forget about her life with this guy. And you know
0: what? Like, I wouldn't blame yeah. her.
1: I would not it's blame an, her in the least. Yeah. He's such a piece of shit. It's
0: insane. Sorry, Colonel Glover, not Cooper, Colonel Glover.
1: Oh something oh, so
0: about that house? And, and speaking of crossover, they did not, he, they he did not decorate 3. that house. That guy was in Halloween three. I just want to point that out. What?
1: <laughs> who, is, who is he in Halloween three? <laughs> just
0: some random <laughs> I uh hold on. I gotta I gotta I gotta
1: figure out what this guy's name was. John movie T- really is
0: a hodgepodge. Well, you want to touch on that? Yeah, but you go ahead and touch on that because that's it's a hodgepodge. But this joke.
1: movie is like a murderous row of eighties horror, like casting credits.
0: So he plays Starker in Halloween three. I've seen that movie a lot. I have no idea what that is. But to your point, I think it's a, it's worth touching on is like the cast. So we talked about Dan O'Bannon with Life Force and Alien. You've got Tom Matthews who plays Freddy. He ends up playing about a year from that from this movie playing. Uh, Tommy, the older Tommy Jarvis in Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. I know, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. And well, Lina quickly plays Trash is in uh Silent Night Deadly Night.
0: Uh yeah, I was pretty excited to see that. She's in one and two. She's probably in two because of the, the, the terrible <laughs> the, half <laughs> that movie's flashbacks. You mean it's- the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you've got. I forgot about this, but James Karen is at the very end of Poltergeist. He is, he's the, I think he's the real estate agent, the property developer. And I think Craig T. Nelson's just shaking him, screaming, You just
1: moved the tombstone. You didn't move the body. (laughs) So that's why I'm so confused by James Karen's performance in this. The opening, he's like so wooden, but it's obviously intentional. And I, I just can't wrap my head around, like, because, like, his like, death scene, he's like magnificent in it. And that <laughs> would be that. like such a hard scene to play. But him just giving this tour of this inventory factory, he's like, I, I, I and, and he's been in so much stuff. I know. It's, it's like a choice to be doing this. And it's obviously what, it feels like this is what Dan O'Bannon wanted based on some of the other performances. And it's, I I, I guess he was going for a comedic thing because he's giving a comedic performance. And I, it's, it's one of the mysteries of this movie. Well,
0: and so I, I was looking at my notes just now and I think, James Karen is playing it really big. Tom Matthews kind of, well, actually he plays it pretty big the entire time too, because especially when he turns into being a zombie, but I think that's one one of the things I want to touch on was just some of the interesting touch points throughout the movie that are just weird, they're just weird choices and, and, but they work. I think they really work well for this movie. I really like the, the special yeah. effects of how they do the cut scenes in terms of how they show sort of the progression, it, the, the exposition of how they get to the zombies, uh, coming back to life i really like the the soundtrack in this oh they're awesome it, it mixes such a crazy like uh, so let's you know we skip ahead a little bit obviously the, the we've talked about it. The, the acid rain or whatever you want to call it comes down and the zombies begin to materialize and come out of the come out of their graves and there's just this crazy rock bell that sounds like an acdc knockoff that they're playing in the background uh it's just fun like i i <laughs> and it's weird choices that in a horror movie don't make yeah, a lot of it sense. It really
1: heightens like the fun of the movie. But then And it's why I wonder so much about Dan O'Bannon, because he's making these choices, and it seems he knows what he's doing that this is gonna make this movie have the vibe I want it to have. Like so many times movies like this, you feel it's like a happy accident. And this feels all intentional. That he is. was aware like making this odd group of people and making these music choices at this time and like doing, but like, it's what he was going for. It's not like a happy accident. It's intentional. Um, and it's, it's like, and it, it was interesting. He had some, uh, he was not a Verhoeven fan from what he did with his total recall script. Cause he was saying he had more humor in total recall and Verhoeven like just couldn't do it. And but I could see why I could from this, I could see the humor is not just like fully on the page. It's in all the choices he's making of how he's directing it in the the music and the acting and like, yeah. And it's like you, you didn't necessarily fully write it that way. You're just have a vision and you needed to direct it to have that vision happen. And so, it's such so unique of a movie because of that.
0: Well, that's what I th- I think. I think that's why I like it. I again, I've seen I've seen Day yeah. of the Dead, the same mm-hmm. movie. It came out uh, or it came out the same year as this one in nineteen eighty five. And I, it's fine. Day of the Dead is fine, but it's just it's really dark. All the characters are just fucking miserable, uh, and, it, and it's just bleak. <laughs> and in this, it's like. I mean, it, it's, it's just they, they managed to have a lot of fun with it even though they're they're totally slip swipping, switching back and forth a lot between comedy and then just abject horror. And I mean that, that was one of the things I kind I kind of liked about it was there's scenes when you know uh, after the game kind of retreats to the to the UNita uh, warehouse and then the uh, the crematorium yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the paramedics start to come in uh, and the zombies are, are, are sort of out in full force there's moments of just actual terrifying scenes of like these 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 ambulance uh, drivers being being uh, uh, taken by the zombies and, and, and turned and, and then eat their brains, which is scary. But then it, so, the dialogue they managed to flip it back to um, a yeah. lot of humor. Like one of my favorite lines is uh, I think spiders interrogating uh, Bert, uh, Clue Gulliger's character and I don't know why this line made me laugh my ass off, but he just says, trying to figure out what happened and what's going on with these, these zombie containers. And Clue Gallagher's response is just, I don't have to tell you anything, dick brain. And I was like, it's like, okay. <laughs> and then the next scene, it's, it's Tom Matthews turning into a, a zombie. And- but
1: the, but the, that joke works because the horror is working. And so yeah. it feels so like, accurate and preposterous at the same time. And that, yeah, it's definitely a vision that's working to make this movie work. But I think uh, we're far enough now. We've not really talked about the effects.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I love them. Uh, I, and, I think I think it's really well done. It's, I, it, this is another high water movie, high water mark for the the fact that practical effects back in the day were such a they were so good. I, I, I pre CG, and I, I think there's to me there were a couple of um, uh, parts that I really liked. I liked. Uh the zombie that they strap to the, the examining table at the end who's talking that the, the yeah, mouth that's a fantastic not,
1: one. Yeah, the
0: mouth does not sync up and at that, all, but it's still really effective.
1: No. Uh, but also the editing around that, because obviously it feels like there's two different ones they're using for close-ups and longer shots, and they edit it pretty well. Yeah. My favorite is I think it's called the Tarman. Yes, which is the one that gets suicide. Like, um, is uh, it, it's so good, it's so oozing, but moving naturally. But it feels like extra decayed, and like, I it's no, it's, I, and it's legitimately like it works. terrifying looking.
0: It, it works, and he's actually the guy who introduces the whole concept of brains because uh, I think he's screaming that whenever he's <laughs> on camera and uh so yeah. he they have him so he takes out suicide and everybody else runs away he's also trying to kill tina and then but he looks great it was it was performed by one of the puppeteers uh and i think it was the puppeteer himself kind of carrying it out but yeah he, yeah he he moves in his sort of lanky sort God, of and
1: i love the way. i love the eyeballs so much on it they the eyeballs feel so huge and expressive how like they'd feel in a skull and that's such a choice to make to all skins gone but the eyeballs are still there which is probably unrealistic but works for the movie no it's, 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 it's extra creepy and scary
0: the, he- the human eyeballs <laughs> are actually the last part to to uh disintegrate when when a body's de- or de- or decompose. our body's decomposing <laughs>
1: So those, uh, those then, baby blues are not
0: going anywhere.
1: <laughs> uh, but then, and then some of the little stuff in it, like um, you talked about, like the butterflies that flap. I like that. Um, that was a good touch. And they first release the gas. Some of like the little like they're supposed to be like half dogs that are for like very purpose. And um, and then some of the makeup, like the first like naked zombie guy who comes after, him is. Um, pretty all, terrifying yeah he's all yellow looking or like looks like he's been he's been but like yeah. in a in a somewhat humorous way but still scary and like it just like, really works for the tone of the movie of like this is kind of funny but also terrifying
0: well what's funny to me so I do like the practical effects of this a lot but then there's like weird very specific choices that just go completely against the grain on it and the one I'm thinking about is, like, they show it twice. It's it's the scene when, it's the ending, and it's the scene when the, the rain has fallen and the zombies are coming out of their graves. And all of a sudden, like, this very, like, looks like something I would buy at Home Depot and put in my yard, a uh, skeleton, pops out of a grave. But he has, <laughs> <laughs> like, he is a full skeleton, and He has, but he has full eyeballs, and he has eyelids, and he blinks. And he just opens his mouth. So I guess (laughs) O'Bannon
1: was really unhappy with that. I guess O'Bannon was really unhappy with that effect, but they had kind of run out of money. But they used that a bunch in the promotion of the movie, which is funny.
0: I like it. I mean, it's just a weird, weird choice. Yeah, I like it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, (laughs) But it works for whatever reason. Um,
0: what about you? Like, what what, what parts were your were, were good for you in terms of the special effects?
1: So my very favorite scene, you, you talked about it a bit, is when the paramedics first come and Frank and Freddie are like, and you can kind of see what's happening as the audience because you're not you're not stupid, but like the characters in the movie don't know what's happening because this is such a crazy scenario. But the paramedics are like taking their pulse, uh, looking for their heartbeat, taking their temperature, and they're like. You guys are dead, <laughs> and they like what? They're like, well, no, obviously not, because like you're talking to us. Uh, but it's such a funny scene in a zombie movie that it's like they are turning into zombies, but like still working. And no one, and it's they're, so they're, rare nobody's you get it this. Yet. Yeah, no one is no one is aware enough of what's happening to even consider the fact they're becoming zombies. Like, not enough has happened yet. For that to be on the table it's just like oh these guys are sick but as the audience like you know they're zombies and it's it's just hilarious it's a great it's Um, a great
0: setup and it's just the the kind of the takes of the two paramedics look each other like i think they trade instruments or they trade stethoscopes you're like oh mine's not (laughs) working here let's try mine oh nope yep your heart and then
1: they they go like talk to each other and like yeah like i like basically i have no idea what's going on like what do you think (laughs) Um, which is fun to see Frank and Freddy slowly devolve into zombies and then Freddy go all out to attack. But it is, so I've talked about it a lot, like Frank has this amazing death scene where he drags himself to the crematorium (laughs) and turns it on and throws himself into it rather than like attack people for brains. He makes the choice to not do that, which is extremely interesting for the movie that he has the agency to do that. And these other zombies are just going all out for brains. So it really interesting idea of like free will for these zombies that almost makes them more terrifying that they can consciously choose to
0: do this. See that's I took it a different way. I took it as more of like he had not fully turned yet, for whatever reason, and so okay. it was it was sort of a redemptive choice that he made. of he's kind of created rather this, than go this route, yeah. And so he sees he like because the the lead up to that is is Tom Matthews character, uh, uh, Freddie turns, and the gang that's still left basically clubs him, throws acid in his face, and while that's happening, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Frank sort of like scurry. It's kind of funny because you kind of see Frank look like, like a cockroach. He's like scurries away in the background. And then he, <laughs> to your point, goes and I, I kind of got the sense that it was sort of like a, I'm taking the humane, the most humane uh, uh, and safest way out by, by not letting myself turn to, to, to hurt more people. So I, I took it as like a, that's his only shot at kind of redemption at this point is he's kind of caused this. And so he's, he's, Uh, That sounds horrible but he's killing himself to to sort of prevent prevent from turning and then hurting more people later on so i i i i I think you've got a good point that there's a lot of the zombies in this are very different um they can talk they're intelligent they have uh kind of their own motivations and, and to your point free will on how they do things i think james james karen's character frank is a little bit different in this but this is where the movie really sets itself apart from a lot of the prior zombie movies is the zombies are running, which that was the first time you'd ever saw that you have this sort of obsession with yeah. brains. And you've, I, I, again, I, it's kind of, it's the cheeky thing of, of they're doing things to help them get more brains. Like the, again, the, the guy climbing into the, the, the zombie climbing <laughs> into the ambulance and calling for more paramedics. And then I, I really love that they, they hit it again. When the police start showing up in mass and you have this cop that's already been uh turned into a zombie and he's directing traffic so the police police coming in think it's everything's fine and then as soon as they stop then they just get swarmed by this this mass. so it's like they're 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 intelligent in this i think it makes for a more interesting movie if if you're not going to put a lot of depth into the characters or make a big social statement maybe like the first one did um putting a lot of emphasis on making the zombies more interesting and more fun probably is what also helps this movie just just work a lot better um you know you're, you're getting more depth you're just getting a different place perhaps than maybe maybe the, the prior movies so I, I think that i think that, that yeah you're getting well as a choice. some
1: depth from the zombies themselves yeah, yeah. like what would this be like was their culture in a way exactly um, what is their culture which, it's funny it's brains um so one of the things i can never remember we're getting close as we go through the plot here i i I never quite remember who survives. I know Tina and the Nazi <laughs> mortician do.
0: They do. They they get stuck in the attic of the, uh, the crematorium. And then clue Gulliger's character Bert, and then Casey and Spider survive because they're in they end up back they're... in the medical and they're the ones who actually tell Well, I guess
1: well, the I military. guess none of them do because they bomb it. The military <laughs> bombs it.
0: Yeah. Spoiler alert. Clue <laughs> so... uh, Gallagher finally finally relents. There's a phone number that's imprinted for the U.S. military on the side of the the drum that they 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 busted open. He finally relents, realizing you know I'm going to lose my business. Everybody's dying, so I got to do something. They call the U.S. military, and of course we get our good friend uh, General Glover gets his lazy ass out of bed, and he <laughs> asks a bunch of real weird, just basic questions of. Okay, this, so you did what? Okay. And the zombies, they did this? Okay. And, and
1: they, yeah, I like you do? It, feel, it feels like do? how feels they real. would treat it. Yeah. yeah. But then he goes and he. Like he has, they're trying to calmly ask questions like, how big an area do we need to bomb without letting you know we're going to bomb the area you're in?
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and then so that, 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 and I've had this as a note. The last like seven to 10 minutes of this all of a sudden becomes this weird military movie where it's like, all right, you have this. You have Glover trying to address Clue <laughs> Gulliger's character. And uh, uh, then that punches over to this guy who's like the the operations specialist for this this tactical nuke, who in turn shoots that after they get permission from my. Mm-hmm. It's not the president, but they get permission from some high up military guy to basically yeah. um, um, nuke. But I don't the, think it's uh, a
1: nuke. I don't think it's a nuke. It's just a, I think it's just a bomb of some. Of some sort like a like firebombing or something because they're, I don't think they're worried about like nuclear fallout. Oh, okay, because they say like they say like 4,000 dead or something in that, but um, but which so one of the things I really love about this movie, we got way past this, but it ties right back into the end here. Their plan so after Freddie and Frank they open this gas, they release this gas. And like all hell's breaking loose at this warehouse they work at, they call Bert, who's their boss, and he comes down. And it's really goofy how they get to this point, but they make a pretty like intelligent plan. (laughs) We have this problem. We're gonna take this shit across the street and burn it, and that'll take care of this. And that is literally the military's same solution. They're gonna bomb the hell out of it so it burns. And the last scene of it is showing like, oh, they did it, and it released like the same ash up into the air, and then it started raining, and it's going to do the same thing over again. And I enjoy that. Like as dumb as these characters can be, they're not really making dumb choices. Not in the movie, yeah. Not not in the, in, the, in the sense of the movie.
0: I, I I had that as a note too. I really like the uh, the fact that it kind of comes full circle and tease them up for a sequel um which there is yeah, a sequel yeah. to this that came 3 years later two um, sequels there's two okay i've only seen return of yeah. the living dead 2 it
1: seems like i yeah i've not and it looks interesting the third one looks less connected to these ones but oh, it's I'm, not, so weird. I'm not sure it's amazing there's not there's um, not some
0: some uh, sequential uh, sequential <laughs> stuff between these movies i mean the, the second one i mean the, the sequel to this is is crazy because it's got james Karen. And Tom Matthews basically playing. I think they're two burglars in it, and so it's almost like they take they're a lot. A lot both of Both in games. it, they're both in it, but different characters. I, I saw they, James.
1: They K- I saw James Karen was in it. Oh my god, they're both in it. it doesn't and I'd I, I have to go. I,
0: I didn't watch it too closely. I was doing something else when it was on, but it, it, it's it doesn't make any. I, it just, just doesn't make any sense. It's almost like half of it's like, oh, we have an ensemble, and half of it's like, well, we guys got to make another movie, so let's just let's just put all this together and. And see where it comes. Then they out.
1: teed it up for a sequel, and so we're gonna but I think cut the it, budget and see if we can make the same money back.
0: Yeah, and it had a lot of the same issues of like, it's about the military. It's about uh, you know, uh, uh, I think at the end of it, the military. I think it's how they get out of it. I, I I think, or it's like a government program that went wrong that caused the whole thing. So it's very, very on the nose, and it, it follows pretty much the same pattern. This one does. Um, it's just. It's just uh, like it, it. It's lacking, I th- and I'm not sure if Obannon did it. I don't think he did, and so it's lacking a lot of the humor. Kind no, of the I don't. Fun I don't. That this one, this one would, yeah, puts together. So, I I wouldn't recommend it necessarily, but no. I mean, hey, whatever. Well, let me ask you this. All right, so yeah, no, I okay. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm gonna ask you a question. You shut up and listen.
1: <laughs> um, would you Holy watch- shit! <laughs> the guy who directed. Part two of Return of the Living Dead. Also directed Meatballs Part Two. <laughs> See, I told you it was fucking Meatballs, Meat Zombies.
0: I didn't plan that, but it worked out perfectly. Just in the
1: just in the sequel.
0: <laughs> it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect.
1: Okay, okay. Sorry. Sorry. What's your question? I just I was looking at his IMDb and... <laughs>
0: so I, we, we kind of we didn't talk about this with Predator, but I I, I know my answer for that one anyway. But um, would you watch this with your wife?
1: Uh so <laughs> for our listeners who wouldn't know this um <laughs> maybe at some point so um I got remarried like 8 months ago, 9 months ago. Um and so both my wife and I have uh two kids. So I have two kids and two stepkids, which really impacts how much we can watch like rated r movies like this Uh, and so we don't get as much time to like maybe share things like this and like feel each other out on like what what is your interest level and what is this so i (laughs) i would 100 percent not right now (laughs) um i do not think she would have any interest like whatsoever uh but I do think if we had more time to watch things like this, but not what not watch things like this, but had more time to ourselves, more free to time watch things, yeah, yeah, that uh that I I could see her like coming around on something like this because there is some humor, particularly if you're watching it like a second time. I'm kind of seeing some of the choices being made in that, but um, uh, but no, I, I would, I would, I would not think she would have much of an interest. <laughs> no,
0: I think for me, it's, it's it's um, kind of the same thing. Uh, I I would probably watch this with my wife because the humor there's enough of it here that it, it kind of helps offset any of the real scary sort of gory components of the of the movie. And so it, you never feel like it's too dark. It's got enough good funny beats that it, it sort of helps carry you through. But uh, it would be definitely one of those ones where it was like she would not just voluntarily sit down and watch this with me. <laughs> it would just be like a, Okay, okay, the kids are asleep. This is on, I'll just sit here because I'm not because I have no other alternative other than getting up and going to
1: bed. Mm. So I'm just gonna sit here <laughs> and like suffer through this. I think I but I think I think but no, I <laughs> Go ahead. I say, from my way, I could see. I don't know, I'm trying to articulate this properly. The right circumstances, where I just have it on. She's like doing her own stuff, but sort of watching and catches it at the right time. Um. Could be like, what that was kind of funny, and then be like, Okay, like I see the vibe of this. Catching it at the wrong time could also like totally <laughs> shut the whole thing down and be like, okay, he's just watching his weird his weird stuff.
0: Yeah, I'm like really glad my wife didn't walk in at the part where trash is basically taking all her clothes off and just dancing. Cause it's like yeah, it's really it's hard like, to explain yeah. that away <laughs> in the context of the rest of the movie.
1: I think I've told you this. So my my first wife, um, I was watching 10 to midnight and had, was, was out and walk, got home and walked in the door right at the end where the killer is running around naked and was just like, what the fuck are you watching? Uh, which is fair. That's a fair Just had a naked serial killer movie. No big deal.
0: I, uh, yeah no it's fair and uh, if anybody doesn't
1: hasn't seen ten at night it's
0: it's a movie that has a name that never gets used or has any any relation to the rest of the movie but it's uh, charles bronson yeah, trying to kill yeah. a guy or, or chase down and catch a serial killer whose mo is to kill people while he's fully naked and so you spend a lot of time with that guy butt-ass naked running around committing crimes and it yeah. is weird It's very. They go to a lot of a
1: a lot of pains to explain why he's naked, and it's all related to like evidence and things. So like, he never has like bloody clothing, or never like never leaves like a torn shirt behind or something. But or um, or pubic (laughs)
0: hair because he must be. It just just no pubic hair left. (laughs) It's the perfect crime. It's the perfect crime.
1: Hey, that that could be for a different reason, you know. Maybe he just likes. Hey. Landscaping, of it.
0: landscaping is important. So, um, well, yeah. So, I, I, think, like, kind of wrapping, wrapping it up. You know, I, we, we touched on it a little bit. I do think this, this, this movie doesn't get enough credit sometimes for maybe the impact it had on the horror genre and probably sort of the, the perception of zombies, movie zombies, um, as if there's another kind, um, uh, and, and, and kind of how, how they're portrayed. Yeah. Um, what's weird was when we are looking at the, the, the budget, the budget for this. And Romero's Day of the Dead are almost identical. They're they're both three and a half to four four million or so. This only did, according to Wikipedia, only did about fourteen million dollars uh, in the box office, which is just not a lot. I mean, it made money, obviously enough for them to keep doing sequels. But Romero's same movie, which I would argue is a lot, um, a lot less fun than this. Did something like 34 million globally, and so I'm just wondering if Romero's name was able to help kind of carry the movie. But this, this to me is just so much more interesting. I would bet, yeah. And the choices here are so much more fun uh, with the music, with the way the characters are played. It's it's so set in the 1980s that it feels like it feels like somebody who was making a slasher movie took a lot of the same beats and the same cast and just dropped them straight into a a zombie movie instead and so this feels very much of the time and i think that makes it a lot more fun uh and they also again introduced a lot of new concepts here with with the zombies uh, you've got the the whole brains thing and the one of the brains and that's their way to according to the one of the zombies that's their way to stop the pain of being dead and they're running and they're smarter and so you, you feel like they actually they actually have some, some thought process whereas kind of, Zombie movies at this point, and still even largely after this, are just sort of this personalityless, sort of feet-shuffling, uh, uh, slow-moving beings that just there's nothing to them. They're just sort of ominous, and and here it's it feels like they're actually like they're actually something to be scared of, but but it's wrapped in this this package where it makes you actually kind of enjoy and laugh at the movie too. So it's it's a very interesting approach uh compared to kind of what the rest of the genre zombie zombie movie genre was doing before this
1: yeah and i would guess this was probably a really hard movie to market Yeah, and you're not selling it on abandon's name um at that part even though he i mean his name should be associated with like alien and stuff but probably still not able to sell in his name which is kind of it's his vision so it's kind of what you need to be able to do and there's no there's no stars which would be really curious to see this with a star in one of the roles but that'd be a hard sell because what role would they play because there's really no hero
0: that's a good point and I, yeah that's a really good point there is no there's no standout character in this because you're sort of arguably your two main characters are freddie and frank they both get turned into zombies your other main hero is a guy who is basically trying to cover this whole thing up because it's going to destroy his business and he kind of you know by virtue of how he acts to cover this up it actually drags everybody else into this and then your other kind of main lead is a zombie or excuse me a nazi in hiding, who's running a crematorium? It's like, there's just like nobody's really that good in this, but I think it, it, it like, yeah. it, it doesn't, doesn't but matter, it's like,
1: still a good movie, yeah, it's just not marketable.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Uh,
1: um, which is you know, oddly for the long term, I would be really curious. Well, I don't know. I guess they had to do a huge like online petition to get them to release this on DVD and Blu-ray, but I yeah. bet it sold really well. Which they did, so I'd be curious what they made from that.
0: Hopefully a lot. I mean, I, it's a shame they didn't have more kind of on these tone, on the same tone. Um, I, I really like the,
1: the yeah, genre. Be, it would have been right? fun to see a O'Bannon get a, a crack at a sequel. Does he, he if really do a sequel? And he doesn't
0: really direct anything after this. I'm he wondering.
1: directed one other movie, but it was straight to video. It wasn't, I guess it wasn't intended to be straight to video, but they made it straight to video in like 91. Um, so I'd be curious to see that. But then I he really just writes a bunch of stuff. Um and it's kind of like in the industry, a kind of sci-fi script doctor. Like it's kind of just you bring this guy in to punch your stuff up or solve problems in a sci-fi script or, but everything I could find in the research seemed like a really difficult guy to work with and was viewed as a genius, but very volatile. So it just seems like he, you just weren't going to turn over a production to him. If you were a movie studio that, You'd use his talent to write something, but you just weren't gonna run the risk of battling him and And you could see in this. it's a very particular vision that I don't know how happy the studio was with what they got. And I think it's a great movie, but they like said it's I don't know how you'd market this.
0: Oh I, yeah, no, I know. Other than
1: no. the fact that is, other than the fact that it's good, like yeah, but that's it's, a hard it's, sell.
0: It's it's a fun zombie movie, but to your point, like I don't know how you would convey that commercial uh, again, especially
1: me, because it has so many new ideas for zombies.
0: Well, that's that's kind of what the tone of it feels like. Is it feels like it's again, it's something that's grounded very much in the slasher genre, or, or sort of that that component of the the horror genre and, and, and it feels like they're they're taking a lot of chances and they're kind of aiming at the same audience who's going to go see a friday the 13th in 1985. but it again yeah. where it, it sells it sets itself apart is it's like this is actually just like a fun fun movie it never it never takes itself too seriously it never gets too scary and I, you know i was going through again i was going through the list of like what was out this this year for this genre and everything is very serious like friday the 13th part part five comes out and they're they're basically turning out a movie a year at that point nightmare on elm street is on part two at this point and they came out the year before you have a stephen king adaptation with silver bullets um which i i really enjoy (laughs) but again there's some crazy choices in that you've got fright night and then you've got um
1: <laughs> oh, that feels about right. Friday right would be the same time as this. You've got Team
0: yeah. Wolf, so that's that's also kind of <laughs> yeah. And I picked that out. I mean, one because I was trying to be stupid and funny, but um, which I probably failed at. But uh, I I do think it makes me laugh to, or, But if, it,
1: if that's it, what audiences were going to, yeah, like t- Team t- Wolf it like is it a, is a, yeah a horror convention. It is a ho- on its ear. Horror into a comedy kind of thing, yeah. And so you, it's it's the pop version of this kind of that yeah yeah
0: i like it i mean I, I i i agree with you i could see that if you take that same sort of mindset that a band brought to this probably move it forward 10 years into the same genre i don't think he's got staying power or probably maybe like this same tone would work but but for the time it was like this kind of this kind of does a lot to set itself apart from from the rest of the pack and it's, it's too bad that it didn't do do better at the box office because I feel like it, it's got a lot more to offer than again the other the other Romero movie from the same year and maybe even some stuff that comes after it. But I like it. It, it, it I, I I think the since the first time I've seen it, I've just always really enjoyed it because it, it, it does make such crazy choices uh, with it. Give the music, the tone, the acting, everything is just big in this, and it just it just it all comes
1: wow. So. Just looked up. This opened the week before Teen Wolf, which oh, probably did not it, help.
0: It, it got destroyed. Yeah, because I'm assuming Teen Wolf was like a huge hit. It, it was a big cable. That, yeah,
1: uh, yeah. I mean, it was
0: because also Back to the Future uh, it came out in 1985, so it's got to be, it's got to be around the same time that, you know, right. Uh, but if
1: you're gonna do a horror comedy kind of. So it's doing werewolf in a much broader comedy than this, but you're doing instead of zombies, you're doing werewolves. Um, that, yeah, that uh, it, it's, it's, yeah, Back to the Future is July 3rd.
0: A month, month and a half later, you've got Teen Wolf, this and Teen Wolf. I mean,
1: so- uh, let me see. I don't know. I'm trying to find. <laughs> I don't know. It's so hard looking this stuff up in the. Okay, there's Teen Wolf. Yeah. Yeah, that Teen Wolf's a month and a half. So you're, yeah, you're getting, I mean, and that's when Back to the Future is still like the biggest movie on the planet, I'm yeah, sure.
0: And Michael J. Fox has taken off. And so my guess is like, okay, everybody, you know, a month and a half earlier is great. He's huge. He's also on Family Ties. He comes out with this other movie. That's probably, I mean, probably did not do this movie any favors. Um, in the box office and I'm, I'm curious so dawn of the dead uh came out i'm trying to see that came out about a month before this day. so i wonder too if maybe that also had the benefit of just catching people early or earlier and, and that's part of what what kind of helped put it up against the box office is this this is now trying to kind of play catch up with romero's movie even though i would argue again this is this is the better movie of the two
1: Yeah, it's, I, I'm gonna have to see. Um, is it Day of the Dead?
0: Yeah, Day of the Dead.
1: Yeah, I I have not seen that one, so I definitely will need to. You see, but yeah, I is interesting because I could see this being a movie that had some legs to it because audiences could go see it and be like, "Oh, it's really funny and interest." Like, but once Teen Wolf is out with Michael J. Fox, it's just gonna eat up that any kind of, it just any audience that's looking for like a horror comedy type thing it's just going to crush it
0: yeah they didn't have boof in this and that's the problem boof boof is what sold team wolf so <laughs> and styles let's not forget styles so All right, I'm, uh, looking, I'm, lo- I'm taking a quick i'm looking at the 85 i'm taking a quick pause cuz i got to take okay. a break i'm going to cut this part out
1: One sec. okay me too